Welcome everybody to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Maris. Adam, the last few, the last 48 hours have been pretty insane. Uh, we have gone from a pretty actual act of activism from the Milwaukee Bucks to a form of protest that has spread all the way throughout sports. There was some time, there was a moment in time where we thought there would not be a season. And now uh, the, the players have apparently voted to resume the season and the NBA has tentatively uh, talked about resuming the season on Saturday. Uh, how have you been dealing with all of this? I mean, I you asked me how I've been dealing with it. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been reading a lot of different things um, and just trying to both understand all angles of it as well as sort of try to think about what this means going forward, which I think is, um, you know, it was a, it, it's a historic time. And I think some of the ripple effects of what have happened this week are going to really transform not just the NBA, but professional sports and the relationship between professional players, owners, the leagues and the fan bases that, uh, you know, all kind of make up one one sort of group of people. Yeah, I, I, for Locked on Lakers a couple of days ago, I had Curtis Harris on the show, and I was legitimately blown away when I asked him, you know, where does this fit in the grand scheme of of athlete uh, athlete activism? And he said this might be legitimately unique, uh, and and I was floored. And you know, he started talking about how in previous protests it was because of something that happened to a team, right? People point to the Boston Celtics who refused to play in a preseason game because the hotel they were all staying at uh, was being racist. Uh, there were, you know, obviously Jackie Robinson was standing up for himself and, and all other African-Americans for, for being able to play in baseball. He said this, what makes this hugely unique was that this is a, this is a group of athletes and, and now it's a broad group of athletes who are standing up for something that didn't directly impact their lives. This is them saying, you know what? I'm standing up for, for myself and my common man. And he said that's what he that's that's what's made him the most optimistic about where this thing might go. So I thought I found that hugely interesting. Uh, and, and when you hear it in that context, what, what goes to your mind? I mean, I I think you have to agree with that. <laughs> I think it's it seems almost impossible not to think that this is a sort of pivotal moment where you'll kind of look at the league as before and after. Um, and I'm not even saying specifically from whatever stems specifically off of this one incident from the broader um, scope of, you know, um, social injustice, racial injustice, police brutality, not even from that. I mean, from, you know, the players have demonstrated a certain, they, they've, they've, they've changed sort of the dynamic between players and owners. You have this yes. collective bargaining agreement between ownership and between players, and you have this this you know there are rules and penalties in place should a team not show up to an arena for any given reason, right? Whether be it protest or something else. And when that was challenged, basically by the Milwaukee Bucks saying no, we're not going to play today, even though we were scheduled to, without letting anybody know, the NBA was in a position to say, do we hold up this rule that we have in place, this that we everybody has sort of entered into an agreement for, or do we say that the moment is more important than enforcing the laws or the you know the rules or whatever that 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 have been signed off on? And of course, the NBA caved. Not, and I don't mean caved. I think they did the right thing. They said, you know, this moment yeah. is larger than enforcing any rule and they rather than have a forfeit they canceled the games right they they took the the action to say okay there was no game to 
today. So in, in effect, there was no strike. This is just the technical term, or the technical doings of it. But what it does to me is it opens up the possibility of, you know, now players, I think, understand the full extent of the power they have when they work together, even though there were, as some of the information has come out, maybe not everybody was together on this. Not Nobody seemed to have known that the Milwaukee Bucks were going to do this. Nonetheless, the players have sort of exercised this ability to say, if we come together, we can push back on you, you, the ownership group in a way that really, um, I, I don't think ownership maybe necessarily was prepared for or realized was even a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, this was one of the things that Michelle Roberts was echoing or, or saying a ton when, when she had just started uh, working with the Players Union. It was like, we are heading into these labor negotiations, these CBA negotiations, and what the owners have to realize is there is literally no product without our players. And, and there is definitely no product or, or no similar product without LeBron James without, you know, Carmelo Anthony at that time, who, whatever, whatever star it is that she was talking about. And, and I think in, in this case, with the way that this all went down with the players and the owners and the owners recognizing, yeah, this would be disastrous if we really pushed hard on this and tried to fine everybody for not playing or, or what have you, this was, and now it's a unique situation is what needs to be pointed out. This is being played in a bubble with, uh, you know, one would imagine a limited amount of time that they have to fit these games into. The, the owners can't just wait them out the way they would normally wait out players in any other kind of lockout. And uh, in one of so, the most so stressful that, years, I mean, one, just one of a year of yeah. turmoil. Let's be honest, around the world, not just in, you know, not just in the NBA, not not even just in the United States. That I think elevates, you know, sort of all of this. But if you think back to 2014, everybody knew that Donald Sterling was a racist, that he was a problematic owner, mm -hmm. that he was this sort of, um, you know, <laughs> not that the, the ownership group is like this, like, you know, perfect set of humans by any means, but he stood out even amongst the, the, the rest of the worst of the owners, right? He was, he yeah. was this, everybody knew he was an open Dolan, secret, was... <laughs> but it felt yeah. like there's nothing that can be done, right? Players get traded, they're drafted there or whatever. And there was just sort of this feeling of like, oh man, this sucks. And then he would have these parties and he would show off his players as if they were show ponies and all these horrible, horrible things. Six years later now, the thought of that is so unthinkable, I think. But also, mm -hmm. players now have kind of realized that they have a certain leverage. I won't say power, but they have a certain leverage in that relationship between player and owner that I think six years ago was unthinkable. You had to go to the Donald Ster Sterling party. You had to put up with all of his antics and him drunkenly booing you from the front row, even though you're his own player mm -hmm. and talking trash. You felt like you maybe had to. I think what players have realized over the last 10 years, but and it becomes increasingly true over time, is actually, you know what? They need us just as much as we need them, and maybe actually they need yep. us more, and we can more. exercise our power if we feel that their values do not align with ours. And I think that that is one of, amongst all the other things that are going on and the important social movement that I think the NBA and the players want us to keep our focus on, and rightfully so, I think there's also this recognition of, hey, you guys don't get to control and call all of the shots the way that you used to. And new owners like Tillman Fertitta, who I think got into the NBA right as things were changing, thinking, ooh, now I'm the big man and I get to run the ship. Yeah. I think he's realizing, <laughs> oh, wow, I actually don't have as much power over this. And it was interesting to me that he used the word, they are our partners, 
Not they're our players. Mm-hmm. We're the owners. This is that. He kept referring to the players as their partners, and I think that's a meaningful shift. Um, just, just sort of like if you step back and look at how the league has changed over the last several years. To me, owners, whether they're just paying lip service or whether they actually fill it, they are partners with their players in ways I don't think they anticipated five years ago. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that. You know, when people ask, hey, what is what was that protest actually accomplishing? It, it might very well have altered the 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 balance of of how things work with the players and, and, and owners on top of all the other things that we've seen uh, in the in the hours since in the days since uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and, and Orlando Magic opted not to play that first round game. Uh, maybe let's in take a quick two, second. We can talk here. about that. Yeah, about maybe some of the different things and ways we anticipate the league to evolve. Let's take a quick second. We'll come back and we'll talk about that. Even while I completely agree with what you're saying and that the, the, the players had already kind of started to see that, right? Like LeBron leaving for Cleveland to Miami was this completely unique and unheard of thing. Especially he was leaving his hometown, didn't tell his players, he hopped on this plane, we got like plane watch 2010, whatever right. it was. And and it uh, felt and, so and groundbreaking. You, it was so unique. Well, and now a player, you know, leaving a, a team, Kawhi's done it in three separate years <laughs> at right, this right. point. And and so there's you know, pre agency, there's players that own their own agency, <laughs> there's yeah, yeah. Well, I, again, it was an awakening of, oh, I don't just have to be sort of, you know, at the whims of whatever team drafted me. And then I kind of get, you know, I can either get yes. traded or I just no, they realized that, hey, I have some of my own power here, not just in where I sign my contracts. But, hey, I don't like it here and I still have years on my contract. There are things I can do to sort of force. I mean, ideally force an organization to be held re- responsible for how they handle even when I'm, I'm a player there. Of course, I think there are some abuses of that or people that yeah. you know do this or that. But the idea being that players actually have a power, whether they signed a contract or not, they actually have leverage and a power to sort of use that to get what they want. And we're 10 years later from the LeBron thing, and like the idea of a player choosing a different team in free agency, <gasps> like that just isn't normal. Like It's been normalized <laughs> in a way that I think is, is just so different from 10 years ago in ways, again, I think most largely good. Um, and then, of course, with a few ripple effects of, you know, that power can certainly be abused, I think, uh, in very specific ways. Well, and, and also, you know, one of the things you and I always really push back on is that it was, it's been called player empowerment. But what it really was was superstar empowerment, right? Like it, yeah, right, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like your your role players could demand that right, they trade right. away the player ahead of them, or else they wouldn't play there next year. The team would just laugh right. at them. But right, right. Uh, but sure. in this case, I think what 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 makes this interesting is that this is now collective player empowerment. Yeah. This is something that if the players actually really unite, and 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 you know, as you pointed out earlier, not everybody and not everybody was on the same page here, but they did remain. Uh, they did come out in solidarity. There have not been games played on Wednesday, on Thursday, and there won't be games played on Friday. The team, the, the players have been, uh, you know, remained united at least in that regard. I think and the players, and I, players I, don't, I can't say to this for a certainty, Anthony, but I think that they are aligned in value, and that's and so there's a difference. Maybe not in how you handle it. Yeah. Should, you know, we we, we yeah. heard that there were some players that thought Milwaukee should have let the players' association know or let everybody know or whatever. So about how to handle it and the structure of it, I think, was questioned. But I don't think the players are not aligned about 
the the social issues. And the reason I make that mm-hmm. distinction is because I do think that the players are out of alignment with a lot of the owners, and that's why this is important. Of course, there are a lot of ownership groups that have donated um, heavily to the Trump campaign. There's one ownership group that has uh, family members in the cabinet, right? Like there's so I think yeah. that's the difference now is that, and that's where I think if we extrapolate, where does this go for here? Where the players are wanting substantive change, right? That's what that's what they're wanting, mm-hmm. and I think that they look at this and say, okay. In part, I think they just feel perhaps a little bit guilty, as have we. We've had this conversation before in moments over the last five, six months where we say, what should we talk about today? Like, should we be even talking about basketball? Should we be focused on these other things? I think basketball players have to be feeling this a hundredfold where they didn't want to be a distraction. And now they're in Mm -hmm. a bubble and they're thinking, wow, if we play tonight, are we sort of – taking away from meaning. I mean, they're feeling conflicted about this and and, and uncomfortable about this as well. But I think now what they have is— And wound up being kind of sort of right. What's that? <laughs> Those players who who were concerned about coming to the bubble and just becoming a distraction all over again by being entertaining, were kind of sort of right. We saw it. People that the news cycle went back to. All right, what is this win for the for the Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, does losing in the first round to Orlando mean Giannis is going to leave Milwaukee? And and that became right. the conversation. But over the last 24, 48 hours, the conversation has been on the issues that the players have wanted the the conversation to be about. And I don't think the players collectively or even individually quite understand exactly how to use this this power. I think that's yeah. part of the story right now. They're trying to learn. I mean, you ask, what is it you want? You know, tangible things. And we've heard a lot of players say, well, why are we responsible? And I think all of this stuff is is correct and very interesting. It's a but fair I think, retort. But I think what, what how this will evolve what I think, this is just my own prediction of how this will evolve, is now players looking at their ownership groups and saying, hey, Tillman Fertitta, you're, you are uh, the chairman of the Houston Police Department's foundation. You know, you help raise money for police supplies. You actually have the ability to, you know, you have their ear slash do you, are you somewhat complicit in this? Like, not just you have their ear, mm-hmm. but also like you're helping fund things that we maybe disagree with. And now saying, hey, we have the right. I mean, what happens if, you know, there's an incident like this? Let's say this again, just a hypothetical. There's an incident in Houston with a Houston police department. What happens if the players say, hey, we're not playing tonight? Tillman Fertitta, his money is going into the hands of, you know, something we don't believe in. Have you know that that's one way that I could see this evolving down the road. And if you get into that situation, now things get a lot more sort of. Um, you know, it's complicated for the NBA. It'd be complicated for Tim and Fertitta, but that's the pressure that I think the NBA players, I think they are realizing now that they have the ability to sort of, um, their, their power reaches beyond just their platform, uh, you know, speaking out, wearing t-shirts, this or that. And I think to me, that is where this is headed. And I think there's no mistaking that Tillman Fertitta has been referring to his players as partners, not as players, not as anything else, mm-hmm. but as in a 50-50 partner um, in this equation. And I think, one, it's far too late for them maybe to be thinking this now. They've been partners. They just haven't realized it. It's <laughs> yeah. that the players have now realized, hey, they're not in control of us. They're They're on level footing, and we'll see how it goes from here. What I find fascinating is – you have there were probably a handful of players who probably thought that this was possible, right? That hey, if we actually really do come together and 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 really do come uh, as as a whole and really use our leverage as the foundation of this league, we might be able to really create a, a completely different environment. And and I think when the Bucks, I don't think the Bucks maybe. I know that they didn't know that this was all going to happen as they were doing it, 
but then now that this is the result, those players who thought maybe just maybe now know actually this is possible. Yeah. And how they handle that power, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Let's be. take another quick second. Let's take another quick second here. And when we come back, we got to talk about the human element to this is because we're recording this on a Thursday night. You're going to be listening to this Friday morning, Friday afternoon or whatever. And the games are going to be starting again on Saturday. So from the human standpoint, I'm, I'm interested, Adam, in how you believe these guys will go from where they've been these last few days to playing basketball all over again. Uh, it just it just as people. So let's take a quick second and come back and talk about that. This is on a much smaller scale, obviously, and we have very different experiences from the players, but we spent a good 10 minutes talking about whether or not we should talk basketball at all, just because we weren't sure whether or not that was the tone to bring here, given the fact that players have been uncomfortable with being distractions. And so to throw all the way right back to, well, how do we feel about the Houston and OKC matchup would have felt like we're, we're just allowing the players to become distractions all over again. And I'm, I'm curious as to how you think the players will handle that as as the people who would be front and center as that potential that potential distraction. That's going to be something we know is going to be in the back of some of their minds. I, I'm just curious how you feel some of those guys might handle that. Uh, I mean, I do think players are going to get back to playing on Saturday. I mean, it seems almost like a certainty at this point that that is what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think it's going to be uncomfortable. One thing that 2020 has shown us, and really this has been a long time coming, is that there is no separation between sports and, and politics. And I don't think maybe there, there really yeah. shouldn't be. I think at their no. best, sports allow us you know they bring people together they i think they can they inspire they do a bunch of different things but i also think with where sports and athletes are positioned as members of society right now those these topics bleed into it the nba is bringing awareness you mentioned the nba went on strike well then you know the mlb had teams that followed suit the mm -hmm. nhl shut down their league for WNBA. for today this thursday like this has reached out and so that this there is no separation in my opinion now between sports politics social issues these things all become intertwined i mean what we've talked about so far is sports this is the sports story yeah it's been it's always been ridiculous to me that people have said i, I just want sports to be my distraction well that comes from a point of privilege because if you're saying you want to be distracted by something that means that one thing that these players want you to pay attention to isn't impacting you yeah. has never impacted you and 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 i think for I, one of the things that doc river said and and we've heard from various players is donovan mitchell said this to to you know in a tweet it's like you guys say you love us you guys say that you believe in us and all of those things when we're wearing your uniform but mm. when those lights go out and i'm not i'm not winning games for you and i'm not bringing that happy for you uh that where does where does that go where does that support go and and that was a very valid and very important point to make i think by those guys and and you know now we're seeing a, a different evolution of that where it i, I and, and i think it's right that athletes demand hey can you guys just like at least pretend to care about us as human beings because for a long time especially with the advent of, of fan fantasy sports that went away 
Yeah, and I even think, you know, some of the concessions, or I call them concessions, sounds ridiculous. Some of the plans that the NBA came when they said, okay, we're going to the bubble, you, you know, we're going to put Black Lives Matter on the on the court, and you want to put names on the back of your dream, we're going to, we're, you know, we'll, we'll allow these select things. I think that there was this, like, idea of, okay, well, guys, we can go there. But I think the facade really came crashing down this week with what yeah. happened with Jacob Blake and, and with the... Um, you know, the fallout from all of the fallout, not just the event itself, but the fallout from it, the conversation, the, the shooting of um, uh, of protesters or writers, you know, whatever, whoever. I think the mm-hmm. fallout from all of that now has sort of list, lifted the facade and this idea of like, hey, now I get to say, you know, peace on the back of my jersey and this is it. Nah, this isn't it. We're going further and we have the power to do it. So, um, so to me, I think that was it. It just all felt a little bit hollow. And I think the NBA players were feeling the hollowness of it. Yeah, and, and and kudos to them for doing that. I mean, like Chris Paul was talking about, you know, making making all of his teammates get registered to vote. Mark Spears reported that only about twenty percent of NBA players were registered to vote. Uh, that the of the players that are there in the bubble, and that's been a big thing. And and that's while LeBron James and 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 Clutch Sports is spearheading this more than a vote initiative, you know. And and so you know if if these if even even if those people don't vote which would be a bummer obviously but the fact that they're even thinking about it that they're going to spend the time and go out of their way and actually go through the steps to register to vote like that's that in and of itself is is progress and however this comes like like one of the conversations has been you know will will uh players and especially superstars talk to their owners who have done their share of lobbying Will they go out and say, hey, we know you've lobbied before. Can you lobby for some stuff, some stuff that affects us or people that look like us? You know, might, might superstars, you know, the, the NBA has already talked about uh, putting together a, a, a group that is going to make sure that the initiatives that players are, are really focused on changing moving forward or, or driving change moving forward, that they're going to, to offer financial and, and actual support to help make those things happen. And, and, you know, even while it's easy to say, well, that was just a one day protest and now it's, you know, it's, it's, it, they're, they're getting ready to play, uh, only a few days later. What does that actually mean? And, and, and the, the, the reframing of it has already occurred when it went from, uh, initially it was called a boycott, but it was actually a strike to now it's called postponements. And, and now those games have all been rescheduled, even while that has all gone on. It still has felt productive, and, well, and I to just be fair, for I, me to, that this yeah. is a, this is a strike though, right? And I think that's meaningful yeah. too in, in this one way that it's not a postponement. It was none of this. This was labor, the players saying, "Hey, we have mm-hmm. a power here," and doing something that put ownership in such a bind that they've had to, you know, it, they haven't really made the concessions. But I do think that it is a way that's going to fundamentally change the league. Another thing though that's interesting here, Anthony, is that. You know, this is day 55, 56 for most teams inside of the bubble. An already stressful mm-hmm. event. We're talking about, you know, most of these first-round series are sort of winding up right now um, with the exception of two, um, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets, who are tied at 2-2. That's a very, you know, obviously very contentious series. And then the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets, which are at three games to two. So you have two series 
that are very high pressure. You're, you're, this isn't game one. These teams know each other. There's a lot of intensity. You know, there's a lot. I don't want to say bad. Uh, there's a little bad blood. Not not personal yeah, bad blood, but bad just blood. the bad blood. Marcus that Morris when went you, out of his way to step on Luca. Like that's well, that's, that's yeah. Happy and I, actually, there's another series exactly that you're right. That series is close as well at three games to two. So this is just anytime you have a series that goes five, six, seven games. By the end of it, teams are a little annoyed with each other. You act on top of that yeah. the fact that they've been inside of a bubble for this long, and then add on top of that this feeling that I sure. All of the emotions that they are feeling as they should go through the what are we supposed to be doing this? Are we doing the right thing? You know, just the anxiety of the moment. And we've heard from Chris Weber, we heard from Doc Rivers, we heard from players. You saw the pain, you heard the pain in their voice, and you saw the pain in their eyes when they were talking about this. So carrying all of that emotional weight and then saying, Oh, by the way, you need to go out in this very high leverage situation and perform. You know, I don't know what to make of this weekend's games and what they're going to look like. And and in in a lot of ways, I think you know, it was funny because Kobe's birthday was earlier this week, and I remember Woj had this great, what I thought was a great sort of post where he was talking about, man, I wish we could have seen Kobe inside this bubble because, you know, his competitiveness, just trying to get an edge, and he was meant for it. <laughs> and as much as I agree with that statement, I feel like the idea of all this time I've been thinking about who's this, who's which team is mentally tough to overcome the bubble and overcome being away from family and all this stuff. I throw that stuff out now because I don't know that it's necessarily just about toughness and focus and these other things. And there is a weird layer to it where it's like, I don't know, whatever happens in this one, you know, it'll be impressive. It'll be this or that. There's nothing to be taken away from it. But it's weird talking about these guys needing to be tough now as they go in and and deal with these this this new wrinkle to it. Kobe definitely would have, like, pulled the fire alarm right before a big playoff game. (laughs) Like Like that, that definitely would have happened. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know how I would weigh all that. I was already kind of reluctant to weigh that anyway because it's intangible. And, you know, these things, like the Clippers looked like they loved being in the bubble when they were beating the crap out of Dallas. But the game before didn't look like they enjoyed it all that much when Dallas had beaten them. So who knows on those things? Uh, we'll see. There are, like you said, some, some games uh, that are going to, you know, the, the NBA has tentatively said that games are going to resume on Saturday. We'll see how those look. I, I personally, there is just so much up in the air right now that I don't know that we can even, you know, kind of preview how those things might look. Uh, but however they do look, I, I do really hope that the players are, are, are comfortable playing and feel like playing it can be productive in some way. Uh, because as we've seen, not playing ha- was, was in and of itself very productive. So uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Please be safe out there. And Adam and I will talk to you next Friday.